Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. It's a rainy Friday. Going to be a rainy weekend, but we've got two hot baseball teams, uh, both hosting the first home weekend series of the season. Those games are somewhat in jeopardy, I would think, because of the forecast. But uh, I'll tell you this, Dalton, and you know this, those fields drain well. And uh, Chris Lamonis and, and uh, Mike Bianco, they're going to play, uh, if at all possible. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think uh, I think if the, the field survived uh, the snowstorm, ice storm last week, I think uh, this, you know, they may not play the games this weekend, but, you know, the fields will be fine. Uh, yeah, the fields are fine. You know, I, I've seen water standing all over the outfield at Ole Miss, and then a, and a couple hours later it's drained. And, right. And, and they're getting ready to play. The, the problem about rainy baseball and uh, – uh, Ole Miss is at home against uh, Central Florida, UCF coming in. Who, who does State have this weekend? State is hosting Tulane for all three Host, games. Tulane. Tulane usually pretty good, and UCF as well. So, you know, people look at these non-conference games and think, man, that's WWW. That, that's just not always the case, uh, right. especially uh, when I think of the Florida teams. I, I know uh, UCF comes in uh, one and three. They've only played Florida teams. They played Florida Atlantic last week, and – yeah, they, they gave up a lot of runs, and they scored a lot of runs. They scored 15 runs in one game and lost 20 to 15. So uh, they, they've been all over the map. And then they got shut out uh, by Stetson on Tuesday. But the thing about Florida is, uh, you know, it's baseball weather year-round, and there are baseball players. There are lots of players in Florida. So when you get past uh, the Gators and when you get past the Seminoles, there are still a lot of good players. When you get past those big three in Florida, throw Miami in there, still a lot of guys uh, who are competitive. And UCF comes in. I don't know how you arrive at this right now uh, at this point in the season, but they are coming into the series with a 13 RPI. So that's, uh, you know, that's when, when you start looking at numbers and we're always looking at numbers, that's, uh, that's pretty good. You said they played Florida Atlantic in the first series and they have a 13 RPI? Yeah. That's uh -huh. interesting. That, that, yeah, I don't know how, you, don't know how that works. According to Warren Nolan, who tracks that pretty well, warrennolan.com is, you know, where I usually uh, Well, yeah, Tulane comes in uh, over here, and they, they've, they're they 2-2 two and two to start the season. I haven't looked at RPI. They're probably not very high. Uh, they lost two out of three to the Raging Cajuns down there. Um, and then they played New Orleans. They've played all Louisiana schools. Yeah. Um, beat New Orleans. Look like they have a pretty good offense. They're averaging about seven runs a game. Um, the only game they the only game they took out of, from ULL was uh, the opening game. They won three two. Other than that, they were kind of high scoring, like seven eight nine to eight. Um, and they won that first game three two. So I'm gonna imagine. Um, you know, I haven't looked too much into their stats, but I imagine their ace is pretty good. So it could be a pretty good game today. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday Sunday, you know, depending on how state pitches or who's pitching, you know, there's still a lot of question marks in that starting rotation for state right now. But uh, could be uh, could be a couple of higher scoring games on Saturday and Sunday, which is usual, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Tulane is usually in the NCAA tournament mix. I mean, they've been to the Oxford Regional a couple of times, won it in 2016 when uh, when Ole Miss lost. Um, so usually a pretty good team, usually pretty good college baseball in Louisiana. I was glad to hear you. 
use the second L there. The second L is important, Dalton, mm -hmm. when you're talking about the Raging Cajuns. I, I, you know, they've gotten ESPN and the NCAA to buy in on the uh, University of Louisiana thing. There's no such thing. It's a campaign oh, yeah, no, of misinformation. I'm going to call them ULL to the, to, the, to the day I die, probably. Well, <laughs> as, as it should be. Uh, a lot of good folks there at Louisiana Lafayette, but the second L uh, is important. Something else that is important is our partnership with the Oxford Park Commission. We are excited to have them along for the ride. Dalton, today is the deadline to register for the four-on-four -four flag football, so you need to round up our other two and, and give OPC a call. And really, there's just so much more going on right now. Registration underway for a, listen to this now, boxing clinic. Okay, for all ages, uh, learn basic self-defense skills and cardio training. Also, social dance and co-ed lacrosse, all those registering now and starting later in March. Visit OxfordParkCommission.com for more information. What do you think, uh, Dalton, does the, uh, the the boxing clinic there at OPC, does that interest you? Well, when you first said that, you know, I was listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, I bet you the boxing clinic, you probably get more more of a workout. You probably get a little more cardio and stuff doing that than you would the flag football. Um, yeah, I, I probably work so. a little harder in there. And uh, I think boxing uh, for the cardio value is pretty pretty popular. You know, I, I'm I'm seeing it more, hearing it more. Now I haven't uh, I haven't signed up yet, uh, but uh, I'm doing some cardio now. Um, you know, five days a week. Uh, uh, my wife Laurie and I are usually at the at the gym near our house, uh, usually about uh, 545. So I'm getting some cardio in, but uh, haven't done the boxing yet. That's, that's uh, an early morning for me. That's usually about the time I'm going to bed, 545 over there. <laughs> and I know, Dalton, that the 830 is a sacrifice, man, to get up uh, for the pod, but uh, I, I appreciate you being here. Uh, baseball, getting back on baseball a little bit. 20-game win streak for Ole Miss. Uh, they're still uh, – you know, piling those W's one on top of another. This goes back to last season, of course. Uh, they lost their opener against uh, number one Louisville and uh, then won the next 16. And they have won the first four this season. So we'll see. We'll see how they play as the number one team. They played well, uh, looked pretty uh, businesslike in a 12 to one win over uh, Arkansas State on Wednesday. What did you see? in uh, State's win against Jackson State. Well, before I go on about State real quick, um, what is – do you know what the SEC record is for consecutive wins uh, in a season? or Because I saw a tweet from, um, I believe, the Clarion Ledger um, that said something that Ole Miss is on a 20-game win streak. Can they break the uh, SEC record? And so it got me thinking – I should have looked it up last night when I saw it. I didn't even think about it. It was just in passing. Um and I kind of was just curious for a second. I was like, I wonder what that record is. And then also, it kind of, you know, Ole Miss fans don't – this isn't a this isn't me being biased or anything. It's just me saying something. And uh, it was just kind of curious to me how those records come to exist because, uh, you know, it would be hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, SEC, like so-and-so Ole Miss holds the SEC record for most consecutive wins when none of those wins came against an SEC opponent, you know. Yeah, that that's and see that's kind of uh that's going to be the the asterisk for uh, every team right now. You, you know when we look at when you look back at, at stats from 2020 and 
and uh, you see guys who were hitting 400 or 375, or you see uh, you see these sub two ERAs, and, and we use the numbers so much to uh, to measure the guys we cover, to measure opponents, uh, to 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 give people a feel for what the game's going to be like, what the expectations are. You need those stats, but right now you look back at those stats and everything has an asterisk because none of those numbers for any team were achieved in conference games. Yeah, and I, I think we mentioned that uh, in a few podcasts you know, last week where uh, I think you talked about uh, – I, I may be wrong here. I think you were talking about Tim Elko and how well he hit last year, and I, I think I brought the point that uh, – right. I don't know if he'll hit the same exact numbers that he had last year because, you know, once Ole Miss gets into conference play, I mean, I think I think, I think the Rebels have probably the toughest conference schedule out of everyone in the SEC, maybe besides Florida or Vandy, because, uh, you know, they're not going to be playing, you know, uh, Alcorn State and Jackson State, you know, 10, 15 times this year um, in Princeton, I think. And, and I'm not trying to say Ole Miss's schedule was super weak last year. It's just it's just hard to gauge, you know, these numbers against teams when they're not playing SEC play, like you mentioned. Um, but going off of that, uh, kind of getting off of that now, um, State on Wednesday beat Jackson State. Seven to three. Um, was it was it sounds the score sounds a lot closer than it was. It was a no hitter through I think seven innings, eight innings, um, and Jackson State scored a couple runs on some errors. State didn't play too well in the field, um, but from what you've seen from State so far, is you know the hitting's there at times. You know um, Cameron James, the shortstop, he's from DeSoto Central. You know, he went one for thirteen in um, Texas. His last at bat was. Uh, a hit over there in, in Arlington, so he was one. He was 0 for 12 to start to start over there. He gets that last hit, a little bloop single that should have been caught for now, and then all of a sudden, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, he goes four for five with a home run, double was one hit away from the cycle, um, with like three or four RBIs. So he's kind of finding his stride, you know. Just that's what those midweek games are for, you know. Taking a break from uh, you know, playing the top ten teams and such like that, and you just get a get a few hits on your belt. But um, really. State went out there and pitched. They pitched, I think, six guys. Um, Brandon Smith threw two innings. Casey Hunt threw an inning. Uh, Davis Locos threw two innings. They're just getting some guys out there that have never pitched before, haven't pitched in a long time, just going out there and get some innings. And uh, there's a couple of those guys that, you know, may be relievers in weekend games once SEC play starts or, you know, those midweek guys later on in the, in the season where um, – They've got to get a little better control because State's still giving up way too many walks, hitting too many batters, making a few errors in the field, and they're just giving up too many free passes. And that kind of dates back to that Texas Tech game uh, on Monday of Arlington this week. Um, I think they walked eight and hit four or something like that, gave them 12 free passes, maybe more than that. Um, and they still ended up winning that game just because the hitting came through late in the game. But um, – yeah, that's what that's what I saw from State. You know, a seven-three game against Jackson State. Of course, you want it to be a little a little more spread out than that. But Jackson State did throw its ace, threw its second-best pitcher in relief after that. Uh, came in with a good game plan. You know, scored a couple runs on some errors. Um, but you know, that's just how it goes. It's midweek games. You know, you can, it's baseball in general. I mean, anyone can win any given day. Um, but yeah, that's what that's kind of what I've seen from State. They're just kind of throwing out some arms, trying to get as many people innings as possible, and that's going to come with some guys throwing and and not doing so well, and some guys looking great, and that's just how it's going to be for a few weeks. Yeah, I will say this about the midweek games, uh, Dalton. While we're talking about 
neither of these teams or other teams going through a conference season last year. Uh, that does affect the numbers, of course. But uh, this season so far, you know, for Ole Miss and Mississippi State taking part in that uh, college baseball showdown in Arlington, that was like three conference games. You know, they, they weren't SEC teams, but those were SEC-level opponents, uh, that sort of thing uh, coming from the Big 12. So, so getting three games under your belt right off the bat against uh, TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech uh, – was a really good measuring stick for both state uh, and Ole Miss. So that's, uh, you got to keep that in mind. Uh, interesting approach uh, on, on the midweek games uh, with Jackson State uh, throwing their best arms. Obviously, uh, they wanted to give themselves a chance to win. I, I think for Jackson State, uh, you know, or any mid-major coming into uh, state and Ole Miss, that's a huge resume game. Uh, even in the yeah. middle of the week, they can pick off a win there. Uh, and I know that uh, Mike Bianco was uh, uh, concerned, probably not the word, but aware that Arkansas State could have been throwing its best pitchers against Ole Miss Wednesday night. Their uh, opening series the, the weekend before, last weekend, was uh, iced out. They didn't play, travel or, or whatnot. But, so it was it was their season opener. And uh, there was a thought that Tommy Raffo, the former – Mississippi State player and assistant coach, longtime coach now at Arkansas State. Uh, there was the uh, thought that Tommy might want to get some get some work in uh, for his best pitchers, but that that wasn't uh, wasn't what he did. He he was very much a let me get as much work as I can for a lot of guys. And you know it was Ole Miss didn't just jump on uh, those guys right out of the gate. And that's something I'm seeing with this offense right now. There's big inning potential. And they stretched the lead against Arkansas State in the middle innings. But, um, you know, so far we haven't seen that just one through nine pound the baseball that was kind of a mark of their offense last year. I think this offense has a lot of potential. One of the guys I know they're waiting on to hit better, uh, you brought up earlier, was Tim Elka. Uh, you know, he was hitting 350 last year in those uh, 17 games. Had a great summer uh, in the Northwoods League. Did not hit well in Arlington. I think he's he's under 200 right now through the four games. Very small body of work, but that's one they like to see get going. Now, you know, they had some other guys, you know, contribute uh, against Arkansas State, and I think they're going to be uh, very good offensively. It will be interesting to see what they get done uh, against UCF, how much baseball gets played this weekend. Talking about the midweek games uh, a little bit, Dalton, uh, one of the most interesting things uh, – from Wednesday night that I saw was a home run by John Rice Plumley, And uh, yep. of course, you know, that, that lit up Twitter uh, right away. Um, you know, John Rice Plumley is marketable and he's, he's very, you know, he's quotable. Uh, he's a, an enjoyable personality. He had an outstanding uh, freshman season for in football at Ole Miss. And there's, you know, he's very, very, very popular. Um, I think that he will contribute much more uh, next season, 2021, as a slot receiver. Uh, and, you know, I thought uh, the, the bowl game, the Outback Bowl, was really a, really a good look at that. I, I think you're going to see he him much well more in the mix. I remember I, I didn't watch all of it because I was uh, – I think I was trying to get back uh, for a basketball game that day, and I was having a little car troubles. Um, I remember walking back in the living room after uh, getting – 
my car situated and I think Ole Miss was in the middle of the th- second quarter or third quarter or something. And Plumley had just caught like a long pass down the right sideline. And I was like, man, if they could just get him, I mean, like, he's so dangerous with the ball in his hands and, uh, you know, get him the ball, but you know, not, not enough about football. You know, he goes out there. I think he comes it was mostly a pinch runner for the baseball team. Right. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I've, I've never heard a, a late inning defensive replacement cheered as much as it was when, as, as Plumley was when he got in the game and he came in right. later innings against Arkansas state. And, and when he got, uh, you know, got the at bat, he just drilled it first pitch. I mean, it, it wasn't like, ah, is it going to make it? Is it not going to make it? No, it's, he got all of it. And, uh, We've spoken before with Brad Henderson uh, on the program about uh, uh, some changes, uh, some work that uh, that Plumley has done in the off season. Uh, he spent a lot of time with uh, Mike Clement, the hitting coach, and uh, there you know there are some expectations now that, that he's going to be a, a an improved offensive player uh, for Ole Miss. Certainly, uh, he showed that. Uh, in his first at bat, again, they, you know, he got it all. So, you know, one at bat, uh, a lot of excitement. Uh, we'll see uh, what uh, the next uh, couple of uh, games holds for John Rice Plumley. I, I know Dalton that that he could, we could see Plumley in the starting lineup here, while Peyton Chatnier uh, is out at second base for a couple of weeks, injured that hamstring. Uh, is that how you pronounce his name? I was gonna I was gonna mention him a minute ago, but I was like, man, I don't even want to butcher uh, Peyton's last name. Uh, man, I can do I the Louisiana ask, names, Cajun names. Yeah, I was gonna ask um, I was gonna ask how he who was playing second base in his place because I did see he was injured. Well, they uh, moved a freshman in there, T.J. McCants, uh, a very athletic guy, kind of tall and rangy, a guy who really would have been more in competition for a starting job. Uh, had Jacob Gonzalez, the other freshman, not been there at shortstop. So uh, they, they really, really uh, liked Gonzalez and kind of uh, identified him early as the shortstop. So with Chatea right. out, McCants moved in and had a good game. Uh, you know, he was aggressive at the plate, uh, really pulled two balls with a lot of power to right field, left-handed hitter. Uh, one was a double. So uh, we'll see, though. But the weight the way uh, Plumlee could get in the lineup here is because Mike Bianco told us after the game that he's not, he's not locked in with McCants at second base. Uh, McCants will play more, uh, may get a couple more starts, but he wants to look at some other guys there. Uh, And one of the options that uh, he may choose would be uh, taking center fielder, Justin Bench, moving him uh, back to the infield at second base and they're creating a, a spot in center for maybe for Plumley, maybe for Cade Salmon. So could see uh, could see Plumley in a starting role while Peyton Chatnier is out. Well, do you think if um, Ely was not hurt, that would be his? Do you think he would be a starter this year? Or do you think that would be his role over Plumley, or how do you think that would have worked out? Well, I think he would certainly uh, be in the mix. Now he was like he was just like Plumley last year in the sense, look. Hey, he's fast. He can run. Uh, he, he's really going to uh, give you some range in the outfield. But you know, and I know that that if you're going to play, if you're going to be in the lineup, you've got to hit. Hitters play. Hitters play. And uh, we did not see that from these guys last year. These football players. Not that that has anything to do with it. It only means that uh, people are watching them, and there's a lot more interest around how they're doing. 
Uh, one of the big stories last year, Dalton, with those guys was, are they going to get to go to spring practice? Well, as it turns out, nobody went to spring practice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that it was, but that was a, a big storyline with those guys. And honestly, they got opportunities last year with baseball. They would have gotten more uh, had they hit more consistently. And that's why uh, Plumlee's at bat with the home run was so uh, interesting because we've heard about his offseason work. We think he'll be improved. And, you know, maybe maybe he was. That certainly looked like it. Yeah, and um, State's got got themselves a, a multi-sport athlete over there as well. And Brad Cumbest, you know, he's a tight end. So they don't really run tight ends anymore with Mike Leach offense, but tight end slash slot receiver for, for the team. I think he caught a touchdown or two this year. Um, plays a decent bit. And – now he's uh, – I think he's got four or five at-bats already this year. He started one game at le- in left field, I believe, or maybe two games he started in left field uh, over there in Texas. I'm not sure. Um, I think it was one and he played as a pinch hitter or something, the other one. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, I don't imagine there's just a crazy amount of two-sport athletes around. And then, you know, you got two of the top five teams in the nation and there's one that's not starting but playing a prominent role on both of them uh, here and then State's got a couple of them committed, I believe, or, or um, the Sawyer Robertson kid, the four-star quarterback um, that State signed in this recruiting class is supposedly going to play both. And then I think they're recruiting a kid out of MRA that, that plays both. I'm not so it could be um, a lot of couple or a couple more multi-sport athletes in the future for these programs. I was trying to think uh, about uh, multi-sport guys uh, at State and Ole Miss in recent years. And uh, I know I'm going to butcher this. This was a long time ago, but I'm, I'm going back to uh, the days that I covered state from uh, 96 to 2002. Right before I got on the beat, there was Eric Moles, the 95 football season. Didn't he play? I'm thinking he may have played some basketball or had been on the team a little bit. Maybe Eric Moles. Uh, yeah, was I was really guy. young um, at the time, but yeah, I'm, I'm – Pretty sure he played basketball. Um, you think he did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe so, but I'm not sure. But, um, you know, at that, that point in time, whenever he was there, you know, I was born in 95, so it's like – Yeah, so, so your, your memory's pretty pretty vague there. Huh? So it really can't – Yeah. And, uh, not a lot of recall for the Eric Moles career at Mississippi State. So. Uh, but, you know – on Google's just saying football, so I don't know. It's been interesting, uh, Dalton, to watch at Ole Miss the uh, baseball staff and the football staff work together to recruit these guys who would like to be two-sport athletes. Right. Obviously, that was a that was a part of the recruiting for John Rice Plumley and Jerry on Ely. That was a big part of the recruiting recently for Taiwan Malone, uh, the big defensive tackle out of New Jersey. He'll play baseball, uh, very accomplished at that sport, uh, big power hitting first baseman. And, and those staffs work together to get those kids on campus. Uh, I assume it's a good relationship between the football staff and baseball staff uh, at State. Yeah, and yeah, you'd, you'd think so. And that's got to be a tough dynamic because um, it's already tough enough to recruit these kids down here in the SEC against these other programs. And then all of a sudden – um, trying to get two staffs to recruit them from the, at the same school um, and trying to work together and do that. And, you know, each one's got different points that they want to make. You know, I guess you kind of see the, the re, which recruiters are good, <laughs> really good here when you talk about the different uh, 
different different staffs on the one program. Um, but yeah, I think I think states is doing pretty well. They got a couple of kids. Um, you know, the Sawyer Robertson, obviously, I think he was a Mike Leach guy anyway. You know, he was he would have gone maybe to Washington State if Mike Leach was still there. But you know, I would imagine him and Lamonis worked pretty well for that guy. Um, and then the Stone the Stone Blanton kid, I think, is his name from MRA. Um, he's a linebacker and baseball player. I think they're still recruiting him hard. I think he's committed right now, but his recruitment's still open, so I don't really know. You know, commitment really doesn't mean much nowadays. Um, and then there's another kid I can't think of his name. It's also a multi-sport athlete. So I think Lamonis and Leach and those, those staffs are working pretty well together. You know, if they have three guys in two years, it looks like they might be uh, coming to play two sports there. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, basketball. Uh, Ole Miss is at Vanderbilt Saturday uh, at two thirty. Uh, Vanderbilt was really, really good against State in Starkville a couple of weeks ago, largely because of Scottie Pippen Jr. Now, he may not play. Didn't play against Tennessee when they lost 70-58 on Wednesday. Has a hip flexor. Uh, the Commodores will definitely be without their number two score, their big guy, uh, 15 points, nine rebounds. Uh, from. Is He leads the SEC in rebounds. Yeah, yeah, so they're, they're going to miss him. Gosh, Dias, or I, I forget his name, D.I. Dassou. Like Dylan, Dylan Daiso or Dylan Dassou. Dassou. Yeah. Uh, so they may be without uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. Uh, we will see, but that will be in Nashville. Now, uh, the Rebels will turn around and play Vanderbilt again a week later. They were added to the schedule on that March 6th makeup date. Uh, that game will be in Oxford. State's going to Auburn on that day. Is that right? Yeah, so State's going to play uh, Alabama tomorrow. Tomorrow, Yeah, today's Friday. I'm just getting my days on mixed up. So they'll host uh, Alabama tomorrow on Saturday, which Alabama, um, you know, State played them well. I think eight-point game last time they played, and Alabama just lost to Arkansas by almost 20 points the other night. Um, so maybe they might be catching Alabama at a good time here. Um, and then they've traveled to Texas A&M, which would have wrapped up the season, but now they travel to Auburn on that March 6th date, yeah. So, they played well. I watched a lot of that Alabama game, and, and it was eight points, but it was like uh, a one-possession game with like a half a minute left, and State had a chance to tie or, or something like that. It was – I mean, they were in it until the, the bitter end in that game, a very defensive game, as I recall. Not a lot of points uh, for either State or Alabama in that game. Yeah, surprising to see, even as well as Arkansas has played, uh, surprising to see – uh, that result against Alabama. I know Alabama had a lot to play for, had an outside chance. A lot of people thought uh, for a number one seed. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll see uh, SEC basketball winding down. Folks, we're winding down too. We thank you for being a part of Justify Your Existence today, uh, talking SEC and everything through the lens of Mississippi. We're glad you're here. Be sure to check out our work at uh, djournal.com. Click that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and MSU pages and just watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Give them a look. Folks, thanks for being with us. Come back and join us next week.